Before Elvis and Chuck Berry, the woman who inspired these great musical talents is Sister Rosetta Tharp. Picking up the guitar at three, she was more than a master at 20. Not only was she the godmother of rock and roll, but she was also responsible for the British invasion. Find out who this force of a woman is on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Super friends, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned, and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your host, Cicela. Joining me as always is the new fan of tea, Jose. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. I didn't realize that I just recently became a fan of tea. I don't know. You're. It's new to me. I don't think I've ever seen you drink tea. Uh, well... Not hot tea, anyway. That's because I like to do it behind your back. Oh, yeah. See how you are? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, it was a little chilly here in my room. So um, I said, you know, I'm going to drink some tea before we start recording. That way I can warm myself up and I can turn off my heater so it doesn't turn on halfway while we're recording. Yes. No, I hear. And yesterday they had snow flurries here in the Northeast. Excellent. I don't know if you heard about that. So it was legit cold. I did not. I heard about the shooting at Chilla Vista, but not the uh, snow flurries. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I've definitely had enough of that everywhere, not just in my hometown, but especially in my hometown, but everywhere. I mean, it's a hometown for everybody, I'm sure, somewhere. Yeah, I think they were saying that we're up to like 67 mass shootings or something. So there's been more mass shootings than there's been days in the year or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I heard about that uh, for the Michigan shooting. Ugh, so... It's too much. It's definitely too much. Not, yeah, basta, people. Yeah, that's enough. (laughs) Yeah, I've been saying that forever, but who knows what will happen. Hopefully, one of these days, the Republicans will uh, stop buying down to the NRA and they'll finally start outlawing some weapons or at least come up with some gun reform. Yeah, some kind of gun reform is like, just come on, let's take a first step somewhere. Yep. You know what time it is? Tea time? It's tea time and shout out time. It's tea time and shout out. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm going to start changing up all these songs. So the list, very succinct, are queens, Elena and Erica, and as always, the Duke, Stephen B. Thank you guys so, so much for sharing our posts. Thank you. I'm continuing on my quest to right some wrongs and fill in some gaps in our history books for Black History Month. You, like me, had mentioned that you liked the later stages of Elvis, (laughs) like Fat Funky Elvis is what I always called him. Is that correct? Yes. When he's singing in Las Vegas casinos. Yes. Oh, my God. He had so much like, yeah, I totally agree. Do you have a favorite song of his? Probably Suspicious Minds. (gasps) Dude, it is great. Agreed. Even the tempo change is fucking great. I agree. That's also your favorite? It's one of my favorites for sure. Yes. What's another one of your favorites? I think a tried and true was always in the ghetto. The lyrics were great. It was so like heartbreaking. It's not just like suspicious minds of like people breaking up and whatever. And now it's like, oh, let's talk about true things, how hard it is to raise kids and single moms. And I loved that song. (laughs) You know, I don't think I've ever heard that one. I'll have to check it out for sure. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, definitely. I'll screen share after this, (laughs) after this recording. (laughs) 
Okay, cool. One single person influenced him and this list of celebrated artists. Johnny Cash, Aretha Franklin, Eric Clapton, Tina Turner, Bob Dylan, Keith Richards. And this person is the person we're going to talk about today who musically inspired all these great talents. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. I thought you were going to say Robert Johnson, actually. Uh, See, I think this is just a huge miss. A lot of people don't know about her. So you are the target market, Jose. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping me on my toes. Yes. Yeah. This is all the learning. (laughs) (laughs) Sister Rosetta Tharp. If you like rock and roll, you can thank Sister Rosetta Tharp. For way too long, she did not get the credit she deserved. Similar to Claudette Coleman. If y'all haven't heard that episode, check it out. Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) All of this information comes from a few articles, as always, linked in the show notes and a a podcast as well. She was born Rosetta Newbin in Arkansas to a family that were cotton pickers and evangelists. And they were religious singers. Yes, that means music was in her DNA. At the age of three, she picked up the guitar. And I'm just going to pause the story right there. Jose, you already know when a child starts anything at that young age and they love it, they're almost destined to be some kind of a great star. I mean, come on, Beethoven, Mozart, Picasso, Tiger Woods. Yeah. That should signal what kind of level of badassery to expect. It's like a foreshadowing. (laughs) Cool. Well, now you hyped her up. So I'm expecting to hear sweep up pregios or something when you play uh, some, some of her music for me. Oh, I have not, I don't have any clips for her. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I, I can only do so much, sir. My God, I'm only one woman. <laughs> Just kidding. I guess I'll die forever wondering. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so she started playing at three. Her mom encouraged her to sing and play for the church at four. And by six years old in 1921, she and her mom were traveling the South performing with an evangelist group. This was the key because she was exposed to different walks of life. She heard secular music, all things she wouldn't have normally been exposed to if she stayed home. Personal note, also why I love to travel. Her mom, Katie, really disliked Rosetta being exposed to all this jazz and blues because they were devout Pentecostal Christians. At least that's how she saw it anyway. By the 1920s, they had settled in Chicago, and yes, she was still playing spiritual music, yet it was at this point she had started experimenting with her gospel sound. She started mixing in some Delta Blues, some New Orleans jazz. It was like a delicious new sonic smoothie, which had never been concocted before. She had so many attractive qualities as a musician. Rosetta's voice and style was unlike anything on the radio. Her voice was gritty and powerful. It's very important to point out that at this time, there were very few female guitarists, much less ones that were so skilled like her. And now she sang both gospel and secular types of songs. When she was 18, this dynamic mother-daughter duo met Thomas J. Tharp. He was a preacher and Rosetta's mom really liked him for Rosetta as a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. You know, your mom always wants to pimp you out. (laughs) (laughs) When I was younger, yeah, she would always tell me, oh, I like that girl for you. Oh, that's really cute. 
It's like, mom, look at me. I'm a fucking, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking ogre, man. <laughs> You're so funny. The mom thought he would make a good partner. And of course, because he's a preacher, also as an add-on, he could upgrade the duo to a trio. He was known as uh, Preacher Tommy. So Tommy would preach. Katie, uh, Rosetta's mom, would evangelize and Rosetta would play. That was rounding out the trio. Preacher Tommy made Rosetta his meal ticket because he knew that she was going to be a star. They got married when she was 19, which to me, I'm sorry, I think 19 is too young still, but whatever, different times for sure. That's just about the age for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ripe, ripe for Leo. <laughs> Rosetta started to have some revivals played on the radio. This was huge. If you wanted to hear gospel, the only place you could go to to hear it was church. And now you could hear it on the radio. Her music was reaching audiences that she would normally never be able to reach. As her fame and career started taking off, her marriage was doing the exact opposite. Rosetta's mom Heard Tommy had a girlfriend in another state. Escándalo. Escándalo. <laughs> I want to punctuate that. <laughs> Sorry. Even worse, though, on a very serious note, subset that they witnessed Tommy beating Rosetta, running after her like a predator would a prey. By the age of 23, she basically thought probably, forget this, I got to get out of here, both physically and emotionally. She bought two tickets to New York City for her and her ride or die mama and was like, peace out, I'm out of here. Her life immediately improved once she left him. Surprise? <laughs> Not surprised at all. I'm surprised she stayed with him that long. I did too. Once I heard that, I pobrecita. By 1938, she had her first hit, it was called Rock Me and booked the famous Cotton Club in New York City. Hot damn. Here, other famous artists played like Louis Armstrong, Lena Horne, Duke Ellington, Billie Holiday. This caliber of talent booked the Cotton Club, and she was now part of that cool list. Imagine being Rosetta. Church-going Rosetta had never seen women in glimmering short dresses, dancing around clubs like beautiful moving mirror balls. Talk about a culture shock. <laughs> I bet. Especially for a Pentecostal. Yeah, absolutely. And who is now front and center stage in this cool scene? Sister Rosetta Tharp. What a flex. <laughs> <laughs> After the Cotton Club, she was booking some extremely well-known venues. Carnegie, Apollo Theater, Cafe Society, just to name a few huge New York clubs. Life was pretty good. She was headlining these prestigious places. She was famous, falling only at 25 years old. Dude, I don't even know what I was doing at 25. Do you remember what you were doing at 25? I don't. Probably a lot of things that I can't say on the podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, great. You don't want to incriminate yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the statute of limitations is for a lot of these things. So, uh... okay. <laughs> That's funny. That says a lot already. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So since I mentioned that she was bawling at 25, you want to take a guess at how much you think she was making a week. This was like 1939, 1940. A week? Um, I'll be conservative for once and say about $200. I think that's a fair estimate. Let's find that out when we return. 
after this break. (laughs) Hey, listeners. My name is Kayla, and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories, and I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before, and also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter events. We will delve into the lives interrupted by domestic terrorists. We will investigate the background of the shooter and together discuss ways in which they can be stopped or even prevented in the future. We will also discuss the failures of our mental health system. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot. One six nine ten means we got shots fired. Four fifteen a.m. at the Route ninety one. Sounded like an automatic firearm. But appears to be shots fired. We will look at the media responses and discover together how they may have inadvertently inspired and contributed to the rise of the mass shootings. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. This is not a political podcast, nor a podcast about gun control. This is a podcast that studies the psychology behind active shooters and how and why they make the decisions they have made to take the lives of innocent people. I love you. I love you. It's going to be fine. Can you hide somewhere? Can you play dead? Welcome to Active Shooter. Thank you for listening. We're back. How was your break? Good. Still thinking about how much she could have gotten paid. Because I'm thinking $200 back in 1939 money is probably like $4,000 today or something. I'm glad you said that because I was populating that information in the infa- in the inflation calculator <laughs> during our break. <laughs> yes. forty two seventy three per month. Oh, well, I wasn't far off. You were not pretty far off. Look at you. Good guess. How was your break? It was lovely. Just enjoying my tea. My tea went cold. Sad. What kind of tea are you drinking? Green tea with turmeric. Mm. It's all it's all the health. <laughs> Just kidding. That sounds very health. It's very it's very health, yes. So you were under by a little bit. <laughs> she was rolling in five hundred dollars a week. <whistles> right? Financially speaking, this was beyond awesome. For a black woman from Arkansas during this shitty Jim Crow time, that's today's equivalent of $10,377.84 a week. $10,000 a week. 
Shit, I wish I was making that a week. Right? You under- Do you understand how many organic eggs we could buy? <laughs> That's a lot of paper. I don't eat eggs, but uh, yeah, just the thought of being able to purchase unlimited quantities of eggs. It's very exhilarating. <laughs> yes, yeah. For context, it's 2023. And eggs are about 60% more expensive than they used to be. (laughs) Uh, Depending when you hear this, they're going to be like, what happened to eggs? (laughs) But as life is, it can't let things go too well for too long. And this time, she was getting heavy criticism from the church. They wanted her to exclusively sing gospel, which she had been. But not only was she singing gospel, but she was actually singing it in a very suggestive manner. And then in places of sin, oh, they were clutching their pearls. You know when someone can change the inflection of their tone on certain words and suddenly a harmless sentence can completely change the meaning? Think Joey from Friends and his famous, how you doing? Or whatever he would say. (laughs) Anyway, the church wasn't having any of that. The awful thing about the church members was they were so judgmental, which of course, Nothing has changed, sadly. You know this as well as I do. To play ball in their court and entertain this just for a sec. Isn't it in the Bible that says we shouldn't judge others? Uh, Yes, it is. Book of Matthew 7, 1. Bible mic drop. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things in the Bible that says that we shouldn't do that we do anyway. I know. Still, despite the criticism from the church, Sister Rosetta rejoiced in the success. The music-listening masses were loving this new sound of hers, which really made her feel seen for who she really was. Right now, our celebrity singers are treated practically like gods. But this was the time still of Jim Crow, which meant restaurants and hotels were still segregated. This required Sister Rosetta to enter through the service entrance through the back. At these places where she was the main attraction that caused them to rack in a ton of money as a headliner. And she had to come in through the back. And there was also the sleeping arrangement issue anytime they were on the road. Sister Rosetta and crew had to ask in the barber shops if anyone could take them in for the night. When there was no one, they had to sleep on the bus. How awful to have fame and fortune, but still be treated like that, to almost feel welcome in this new city or wherever they were at. That's super fucked up to think about that. They didn't have segregated hotels at that time? No, they said sometimes downtown they could find some places to stay at, but there were other places that just would not have it. That's awful, man. Sleeping on a bus, especially after you've been traveling? I know. You're traveling on the road. Your back's probably hurting. And then you got it. And they're standing up playing. This isn't like, you know, an office job where you get to kick back and kick up your heels. They're like, this is hard work for them too, you know? I don't know. But it was on stage where she felt so loved. People were singing her words back to her, both black and white people. Music is such a unifying force. In 1944, she quickly rose to legendary status amongst black soldiers in World War II. This is how she was able to collaborate on her biggest hit titled Strange Things Happening Every Day. It was titled that in reference to all the social unrest and turmoil happening in the world at that time. Again, not a whole lot has changed. This song had also crossed over into the top 10 charts for R&B. She was already making history here. Her songs prior to this were more gospel or they had a big band feel, but this one was totally different. And it's this song some say was the very first recording of rock and roll. Not no Chuck Berry. No, 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 no. 
This is before him. (laughs) It was this song that she reinvented herself and her sound. When she was interviewed by the media, sometimes people would compare her to other male guitarists, and she would answer back, I play better than a man. Oh, my God. I love her confidence, right? Like, what a badass. I love that she knew she was a badass and she owned it. Right after the success of Strange Things Happening Every Day, she met Marie Knight, an alto gospel singer who played the piano. They started to record together and soon thereafter went on tour together. People said Marie and Rosetta had fabulous chemistry, which was true because they also started dating. Oh, wow. Yes. Marie checked up with Rosetta and Katie, uh, Rosetta's mom. Let's spell out the struggles here beyond just being black in Jim Crow times. She's a woman. She's black. And she's queer. Throw in them singing about the gospel. (laughs) Just being black was a risk to their life. But to be part of this minority of a minority was extremely dangerous, to say the least. Thankfully, she did have that celebrity to provide some type of protection. A lot of church members reported that they overlooked, which is kind of frustrating, that they overlooked her being bisexual simply because she was rich and famous. And to paint that picture, now we're moving forward to March 1949. She made $24,000 in one month. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know. Which would be... Was this in 1949 dollars? 1949, $24,000. Yeah. So today's money... That would be $295,114.49 in one month. Hot diggity damn. I wish I made that in one year. Dude, right? Come on. I'll be happy with... Right? (laughs) I know. I know. Or £244,624 for our Brit super friends. (laughs) (laughs) She was raking it in and she really loved to show her crew some love as well. They had a new bus. She owned it. Inside, she made custom modifications. And best of all, she employed a white bus driver. While on the road, she was so generous. She gave money to fans that looked in need. Rosetta won people's favor by just being kind and generous. Get this, the Pentecostal Christian church once again welcomed her back open arms. By 1950, her relationship with Marie had dissolved. Rosetta's music had started to be shoved to the back to make way for new white male musicians. And at this point, she was close to her 40s. And there was one up and comer who was her biggest fan, Elvis. He hired her background vocals because he legitimately said he wanted to get as close to her sound as possible. Hiring her backup singers is definitely going to do that. For sure. I think this is a great time where you can say Oscar Wilde summed it up best when he said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. In 1957, Rosetta was still writing music in her home in Philly. She got a call from a British jazz musician inviting her on tour with him, and she landed in London. She brought the rarest export ever, live rock gospel fusion sound. The electric guitar in London wasn't even as big as it was back in the United States, at least thanks to her. Because Rosetta went to the UK, we saw so many British musical gifts like blues legend Eric Clapton. He saw her at a revival before he was even in the Yardbirds. One of her most famous concerts is at a Manchester train station in 1964. 
She rocked their faces off in the rain. What a cool scene. Unfortunately, she started to have complications from diabetes. She had strokes and she even had a leg amputated. And to add insult to injury, her mom, Katie, passed away. Again, this was her ride or die, her number one fan. This was all too much to take in and she retreated from the spotlight, suffering from depression. I know. In 1970, it was her last performance and it was still a phenomenal performance. No one suspected she was ill. Like the best musicians say, the show must go on. October 9th, 1973, the night before she was going to record a new song, she died from a stroke. Marie Knight, her ex, came. She came back to doll up Rosetta for her funeral. And the heartbreaking thing is that hardly anybody showed up to her funeral. She didn't even have a headstone. 2018 was finally when she was inducted into the Hall of Fame by Brittany Howard. And if you haven't seen that musical performance, you guys have to watch it. Brittany is also another marvelous musician. So that's Sister Rosetta Tharp. Any takeaways? Oh, it's a very uh, interesting and inspiring life. I can't believe I've never heard of her, especially since she influenced a lot of people that I'm very familiar with. Dude, it's a huge ass list. It goes on. Like when I was looking at the list, Prince, who doesn't love Prince? Everybody loves Prince. And you know who? how I found out about her? How? I was, wa- <laughs> I was watching on HBO the Lizzo documentary. And Lizzo talked about her. Just a brief blurb. And I was like, she's a mother of rock and roll. I was like, who's this lady? I was like, oh, my God. Thank you, Lizzo. I totally got to get this word out, too. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. I definitely want to check out some of her music now. Oh, yeah. I mean... You totally hear Chuck Berry. Oh, all over the place. Yeah. I also love how she just owned her musical prowess. You know, she was super proud of it. She was never apologetic. Um, She just seemed like a badass. Why did nobody go to her funeral? I don't know if anybody kind of kept up with her, I guess, after after that point where she kind of, you know, spiraled into a depression, unfortunately. And which I can understand. It's not like she had a huge family or anything like that. You know, her number one fan passed and music was kind of out of her grasp, I guess, so to speak. You would think if she had just had a sold out show not too, not too long before that, she was still in the limelight. And I would have thought that the news at least would have reported on it. Well, yeah. So she had that show in the UK and that was um, when she went, when she first went, it was in 1957. So... Then the British invasion happened, right, in the 60s. And then uh, this was in the 70s now, so like a good 10 years. Oh, okay. I thought you had said that she had had a show and nobody knew that they, that she was sick or something. Yes, yeah, in 1970. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So 1973 was when she died. Oh, okay. Poor thing. And you know the, the singer that we both like, Sam Smith? Mm-hmm. So I know he's white and doesn't necessarily fall into place in this particular conversation, but it did remind me of one thing. I watched an interview with him, uh, with Zane Zane Lowe, that Apple guy, the Apple music guy. And Sam Smith said that when he came out, people attacked him and people he knew. He said he was even spat on. And this was in 2022. I, I can only imagine how hard it must have been for Rosetta in the 40s or whenever, you know. I want to say that it's probably easier now because I think people are more accepting, but there's always the assholes that, you know, no matter what you're, I don't know why they, why they see it as being um, a threat to them, you know, but there's certain people that they're, they're homophobic and they, they're threatened by that. And 
their reaction is to hate. That makes zero sense to me. Yeah, same. It was it was really heartbreaking to hear that even, you know, 2022, he was kind of facing that. I mean, we even had mass shootings at the gay club in, in um, was it Florida, Orlando, I think it was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to keep track of all the mass shootings now. <sighs> I know. I know. I hate it. But uh, so anything else before we wrap this up? No, it was just a very interesting story. And I like that you're highlighting all these people that I would have never heard of otherwise. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like that. I certainly hope so. And we even got a message on TikTok, I believe, that said, uh, or a comment rather, that said something like that. I was like, yes, we're getting through to more people. I love it. (laughs) And I'm glad that you mentioned our TikTok. For people who haven't checked out our socials, our social media used to suck before, but it doesn't suck as much anymore. We have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good sell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. if If you're not checking our social media. Check it out. It doesn't suck as much anymore. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sells it for sure. It does. (laughs) No, but we have a lot of little videos on there where, you know, we'll highlight certain things about our podcast. We have little um, samples. So if you're only listening to this podcast and not checking out our socials, you're only getting part of the show. Yeah. Peep us out. Peep us out. (laughs) Well, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us. Next time you hear someone say Chuck Berry kicked off rock and roll, you can share this wonderful story of Sister Rosetta Tharp and how she influenced him. <laughs> we hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on all the socials at greetings TAC. Email us at greetings TAC at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us. (laughs) (laughs) My heater's going to come on. I don't know if you want to note that this time. Okay. Well, I I think the note is you just saying it right now. Yes, I know. That's why I thought I would put it. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Um, what did I say? Um, gritty and powerful.